If you would, take your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to look at two verses here. It's the close of this, this series. And it is the, the closing um, of this particular passage um, of, of Scripture that we've been looking at now for some time. I don't remember when we began this series, um, but it was, it was a long time ago that we have taken to work chapter by chapter through these six chapters. And there is still much to explore. Um, there is much that, that we have not been able to um, to dive in deeply. And so I would encourage you, as, um, as I would encourage you in all of Scripture, um, to continue to go deep into God's Word. Look at verses 20 and 21 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Word of God says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You know, as we conclude this series, I've, I asked a question um, in an email. And I got some feedback from you. And um, I also went back through your responses on the connection card um, that you responded to and just looked at the comments and the um, the things that you said and things that you learned. And, um, and I started to like jot those down and even made some slides with some of those things that you emailed back to me. And, um, but then I started just to notice a pattern. And so I decided to like just gather all of those statements together and say, what are the one or two or three things? We came up with three things. Here's the things is we've gone through 1 Timothy chapter 1 all the way through chapter 6. Here are the three things that you reported back, these are the things that you have learned. So we'll put them on the screen for you. So first was, we're in a battle, and the enemy is real. There's a real enemy that's out there. Um, it's, it was amazing as I read through, especially where you put on your response cards, um, where you recognize, well, oh, this thing in my life that I'm wrestling with that's causing you know, pain and struggle and like part of that is a spiritual battle, right? So not everything um, is a spiritual battle. You get a cold tomorrow. Um, it's not God necessarily God's judgment on you. Right? We're not painting that with that broad brush. But your response to, to the gift of health and it's waning, right, is a spiritual battle. There's a, there's, a, there's a part of that. And the enemy is real. The enemy's looking for any foothold and any handhold that he can get into your life. And so recognizing that there, is, there are forces that are against us it is an important thing. We cannot pretend, and we ought not to be deceived. And that's why you know, Paul is writing to Timothy, and you can hear, even in the statement as we open up, the encouragement, right? Timothy is facing that, that spiritual oppression that exists, and Paul is encouraging him on. Second, and, and really, I, you can't parse number two and number three. You can't separate the two, really. 
Um, but I, but they, the way that it was reported back, I organized it according to your words. And, and here, here is how I summarize them. A church and home rightly ordered by the gospel are the means to fight the battle and defeat the enemy. Okay, so that's, that's partially true. That's partially true, right? The church and the home are the means to, to do battle. That's, that's true. But you really have to have number three that goes with that. They have to, it's two, two statements together. Um, it's, three is unity, strength, and love come from continual connection to the gospel of Jesus, um, building up the home and the church and defeat the enemy. So you have to have the gospel of Jesus within the church and within the home. That's the structure that God has created. You know, I, I was brushing my teeth this morning. And I was thinking about the message and I saw those vitamins in the medicine cabinet, that bottle pill of, of vitamins that have been sitting there for a long time, and it's still full. How, you know, are those doing any of us any good? No, right? The gospel is, it's, it is not something that's nebulous and ethereal and theoretical. It's something that's real, but God's intention is that it lives in a particular place. And you know what? That goes all the way back to creation. It's a creation structure, right? It's a, it's a home structure, and it's a church structure, right? So the gospel is meant to exist inside this body called the people of God. And the people of God are made up by these units called home. And so these are the three things that, that we really learned together through this series. And as I read those things, it's it really, those things capture um, most of what Paul is giving to Timothy. So this really, this message really serves as a summary for what we have learned. Paul is summarizing in this charge um, to Timothy. In fact, we see the same charge if you go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Listen to the words of Paul. He says this, As I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things in which they make confident assertions. Right? So, so that's, that's the charge at the very beginning of the book. And then the charge at the end of the book is, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit. He's to guard the gospel and entrust it um, to faithful men to, who would teach others also, who would continue uh, to teach the, the gospel for generations, for many, many generations. Uh, that is the, the word of God to us this morning. And I am, I'm like, I'm preaching along here. Oh, there we go. There's the page. I think everything is a little wet this morning. Uh, you probably had to wring yourselves out as you came in. So here's three things as we move into this text this morning. And I'm a little warm, so I'm shedding the jacket here. 
Um, here's here's the, the three things. One, protect the gospel. Protect the gospel. Um, second, avoid deceptive speech that claims to be true. And third, you are kept by God's grace. Here's the summary. The summary charge, really the summary of the book, and even a reflection of what we've learned as we've gone along this path. Um, so first, what Paul tells Timothy is to protect the gospel. You know, in verse 20 there in the text, we read this. He starts and he says, oh, Timothy. Right? Oh, Timothy. You can hear the, um, the emotion in his words. Oh, Timothy. And he is charging him to protect the, the gospel. And he says it in these words, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit. To guard means to hold something closely, to hold it closely, to protect it. And, and it's really clear in this context, what is the thing that Timothy is guarding? What is the thing that he's guarding? He's guarding the gospel. Now, you would think, right, that well, if this is the gospel, this is God's truth, then what is the gospel, right? What, what is this good news? Well, the good news begins with bad news. And the bad news is, well, it actually begins with good news, and then it gets bad, and then it gets good. Um, and so it goes like this, that God created all of us. Right? He created mankind, and, and mankind was in a state of innocence, but yet had this test of whether or not that, that Man would follow God, and he sinned. And because of that, sin entered into the human race and affected everything. It is why we struggle and is why we rebel. And because of our sinfulness, we will suffer the wrath of God, every person. But the good news is that Jesus, who is God, came to earth, was born, who was sinless and lived without sin, went to the cross, and because he had the power of God in humanity, he was able to give his life, not just for another, as you might be able to give your life and sacrifice for another person, right? You can, you know, you can do some heroic act and save someone's life, but if that heroic act requires your life, you can't do that millions and millions of times over, but Jesus could. The effect of the gospel is that it is effective for all. For as many as receive him. And so he gave his life and he rose again and he simply says, trust in him. And, and that is that, that trust in him that takes away our sin, that removes the wrath of God, <clears throat> is the root struggle in every struggle that we have. It is the base answer to all of life's problems and all of life's questions. And the good news is, if we live in this, and that's what Paul is explaining to Timothy to instruct the church to live in the gospel. And, and you would think, well, if this is the good news that's going to exist forever, then who, why, would, why do you need us to guard it? Well, it's not that this gospel will not exist forever. The gospel itself is not at stake. That's not what Paul is saying. Think about this, church. What is at stake if Timothy does not hold forth the word of God faithfully, it's people's lives. Because we are so easily deceived and drawn into sin. Right? It is, he is guarding the good deposit 
for two things. The glory of God in the salvation and witness of many people in what? In the home and in the church. We don't guard the gospel because we think the gospel is not going to stand. No, the word of God will stand forever. But we guard the gospel for the sake of each other. That's why, he, that's why he puts this emphasis here. In fact, he, he says in, in 2 Timothy, chapter. so this is the next letter of Paul to Timothy. In chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul adds in 2 Timothy chapter 2 this, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? It's people's lives that are at stake in us guarding the gospel, in of pastors guarding the gospel. There's something important about the, the Christian faith. It's, it's not something that evolves or changes it's not something that, that we can add to it, and it's not something that we should take away from it. Um, we don't need to improve on it. Our wisdom is not higher than the wisdom of God. It is whole and complete in Christ Jesus, delivered to the apostles and entrusted to the next generation of pastors and teachers. And every faithful pastor, teacher, follower of Jesus is charged to guard the gospel. Pastors and teachers or men like Timothy, they were not called to alter or develop um, the gospel that they received, but simply to faithfully hold out the word of God, to guard it. And having guarded the gospel, they would entrust it to others to preserve the truth that they would teach others. Why? Because people's lives are at stake if we don't guard the gospel. This is the ministry priority of all preachers of the gospel. It's the ministry priority of Jesus himself. Well, see, after the resurrection, what did Jesus do? What was the one thing that Jesus taught after he rose from the dead? If we actually go back to the gospels and we look at the words of Jesus, we find them in Luke 24, verse 27. What does Jesus do? He starts at the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What did Jesus do after he arose? Preach the gospel. That's what he did. He showed how the gospel was connected to every area of our lives. And so we find this gospel entrusted to Timothy. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. And in 1 Timothy... Um, in the middle of the letter in chapter 3, actually, we see this at the middle. We see the same thing stated in, uh, we see it stated in the beginning. We see it stated in the end. The truth of God's word is emphasized that the church is what? A pillar and buttress of truth. He's to guard the gospel so that the church continues to remain that pillar and buttress of the church. So may I ask you, just in the way of application, this, this one first point, are you eager, are you eager to have your pastors, the elders here at Northbridge, 
do this work of guarding the gospel? Are you eager for them to guard the gospel? You see, your pastors, just like Timothy, are called to guard the gospel. That is, that is the number one duty, job, of part of their job description, is to guard that same deposit, handed down from generation to generation, preserved by the word of God, inspired in the scriptures, and practiced by Christians from generation to generation? Are you eager to have your pastors lead from Scripture, to guard that deposit in this way entrusted to them? That eagerness, gauge that in your heart. You know, gauge that in your heart or you may end up going the way of a worldly church with a different doctrine. Now, I, I, I love you and I think better of you, but I know this, if it's right here in Scripture, then the temptation must always be there. The temptation must always be there. Guard that good deposit. What matters? When you, when you summarize and you think through, what did we learn in this entire book as we work through this letter of Paul to Timothy? What matters most? Is it my feelings? Is it my feelings? Do my feelings matter? Does Paul write about my feelings and the preservation of my feelings? Does he write about just being good and good people? Is that preeminent? All of these things we would say, they don't ma- it's not that they don't matter at all. Is it simply love that matters? Um, what, what matters? Well, the guarding the good deposit means that Jesus matters. Right? And it's, it's in this that everything else finds its place and everything settles in. When we guard that good deposit, the, the bottom line is that's what you have in life. That's what holds life together. That is what promises life eternal. It's the gospel. It's the one gem that if you hold on to, it's the, it's the treasure above all price. Are you holding to the gospel? <clears throat> so protect the gospel. Secondly, avoid deceptive speech that claims to be true. Avoid deceptive speech to be, that claims to be true. Paul adds to this. Um, there he says, oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. And then Paul adds, avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. He says, avoid irreverent babble. You know, it should, be, um, it should be obvious to all that false teachers and their false teaching are able to creep into the church. It should be obvious to all, be up to all that that happens. But you have to ask yourselves, well, why does false teaching creep into the church because it's disguised as the truth. It's disguised as the truth. And so he's saying, hey, Timothy, parting shot, last words, guard what's most precious, which will have an effect on others. Guard this deposit, guard the gospel. And secondly, avoid. In order to guard the gospel, you actually have to be faithful. You've got to point out that which is false. If you don't point out that which is false, if you don't stand against and say, that is false. 
If you are silent, then you are culpable. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. You cannot be silent. He's saying this, avoid deceptive speech that claims to be true. You see, those that teach false things about life and doctrine claim to have the best and truest version of the Christian faith. They claim to have more righteousness and they claim to have more light and not doctrine. They have true knowledge. That's the claim. But they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are hidden reefs upon which men and women unknowingly run aground and in the words of Paul, shipwreck their faith. These false teachers, whoever they were in this church, claim to have a knowledge, a true knowledge. And sadly, some believe them. And by professing it, swerved from the faith. This should cause us to tremble, to think, and to think about this. See, doctrine does matter. The truth of God's word matters. And when, the doc, when, when doctrine is distorted and believed, those who believe it, sometimes that is true of my preaching. <laughs> sometimes that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> those of you watching at home, somebody's phone went off and it was crickets. There are people in here. <laughs> Back to the point. Doctrine does matter. And when doctrine is distorted and believed, those who believe it swerve from the faith. They leave the faith. Good doctrine creates an affection for Jesus. The word of God creates a desire in individuals' hearts and lives for Jesus. When someone follows Jesus, the next thing that they do, when they take a step of faith, the next thing that God's going to work in their heart is to take that next step of faith. Second, it's important that we have men who are well-trained in Christian faith serving as ministers within Jesus' church to teach good doctrine. You see, ministers have a special obligation to guard the good deposit entrusted to them. And how will it be entrusted if it is not known? If, you know, um, there is a book that its title is simply, simply says, we shall not be silent, or you cannot be silent. I forget the exact. And it's so true. We have to speak the gospel, it has to be known. It has to be known. You even said this in your, what did I learn? Why does it have to be known? Because the enemy's real. The enemy's real. You see, what Paul is trying to do with Timothy here, and if you read 2 Timothy, and I encourage you this week to read the follow-up letter, it's encouragement upon encouragement upon encouragement, Right? You can almost see Paul like taking out the two by four and the hammer and like he's, he's propping up, right? He's, he's, he's moving him up towards this battle that he's faced with. And he's saying, these things are important. Don't fall back. Hold the line. Hold the line. 
Paul and Silas said this about the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. It says, receiving the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. You see, false teachers do not bring their teaching into the church and say, hey, everyone, I have some strange and different teaching to present to you. Come and hear. Um, no, they don't. They say, believe what I say. Their teaching is smooth. It's appealing. It has an appearance of truth, but beware and know the original. Know the original. How do you know the original? Well, um, you know the original by, by being in God's word and feeding on God's word. That's how we know the original. You see, how God has revealed himself is not out in nature primarily. That is a book of knowledge of God, but it is incomplete. And it's incomplete in that we cannot know God in how he has revealed himself completely through natural means. We know God because he has revealed himself through the course of human history through speech, through a speech act. And we have that here in God's word. This is the lens and the filter by which we see everything in life. And here's the thing. It's a gift given to you. You have it. If it's on the shelf, dust it off. Get in it. It is, it is everything that we do at Northbridge. We're in the midst of, I, I feel like this kind of revival. We have 47 women yesterday studying God's word together, connected around God's word. You know, it's only June and our small group leaders are excited for training. And you know what we're training them in? This. How to read it, study it, and know it. So what? So you can have it, know it, read it, and study it. And so it can be the guiding compass in your life. This is our voice. And we said this, where does our authority begin and end? It begins and ends right here. This is it. Some people say, well, that's so limited. No, it affects all of life. It speaks to all of life because God is creator, redeemer, and king. And so as Patricio said a few weeks ago, it does what? It stands over us. And so we need to we need to avoid deceptive speech that claims to be true. Avoid it altogether. How do you avoid things? You got to know they're there. If you don't know they're there, you're going to be like the guy yesterday in the pouring down rain. The whole, you were in this like tent that had some open sides and we were wet. And some guy in this really fancy car Pouring rain. His windshield wipers are going, and there's cones marking off. Don't go there. And in front of the whole wedding party, he drove over all of them. <laughs> Don't be that person. You have to know what's there. You know what the Bible points out, what's there. And you got to speak about what's there and what's true and the way to go. And what we see in the word of God is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow that path. Follow that path. Third, and this is, this is as important as the other two. He says, you are kept by God's grace. What a wonderful way to end this study together and under this, the inspiration of the spirit of God. What a wonderful way to end 
this particular book. Paul ends all of his writing in this way. Not this way exactly, but on this note, in this theme. And he simply says, grace be with you. Grace be with you. You see, it doesn't come through in the English here, the exact meaning of this, because he's writing the books to First Timothy. He's writing to Timothy, but he's using the southern form of Greek here. The you is plural. So he's saying to not just Timothy, he's saying to the entire church there at Ephesus, grace to y'all. That's what he's saying. Grace to all of you. Timothy, grace to you, but grace to all of you. And grace to all of you that read this book. Paul said, grace be with you all. The, The church needs to know how important God's grace is. Oh, we need God's grace. You see, that, that, is, that is part and parcel of the nature of the gospel, is that these very words that we're hearing today and that we have before us, we did not deserve these things. You and I don't deserve it, but God has given it to us out of his abundance. And, and it is true. We don't always handle the gift the way that we should. You've heard the story about Thomas Edison and the light bulb and his assistant. I don't know if it's true, right? But, you know, he worked, I don't know how many countless hours to figure out the filament and the light bulb. And the first one went on and supposedly the story goes that he handed it to his young apprentice, his assistant. And you know what he did? He dropped it. You know, I think that's oftentimes, it's at really too often the time that God gives us his undeserved favor. And what do we do with it? We drop it. But you know what what, um, Edison did after he fashioned the next light bulb? He gave it to his assistant. And that's what God does with his word. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Understand God's grace. Understand his grace, that he gives grace upon grace. If you're breathing and you're alive today, it's God's grace. If you have Christ, like Catherine, you are with Christ. It is God's grace. And God's grace is meant not for us to simply throw it away, spend it on our own desires, neglect it as we often do but rather it's to be used for his glory. But when we do, what does God do? Grace to you all. He gives grace. Time and time again, he gives grace. You see, it is the gospel. he He is putting an engine on his encouragement to Pastor Timothy and to you. It's God's grace that he gives to you, knowing that your identity, Timothy, your identity, and put your name in this. If you are in Christ, your identity is in Christ. And you are his. You're marked with the blood of the lamb. And you see, that's the secret to faithfulness. That's the secret to faithfulness. You know, we're having that memorial service um, for Catherine 
And um, she was in one church for 82 years, which I'm hoping to catch up with her, which means I'm coming up on basically between the church that we were in and planted out of in Northbridge, I'm coming up on 30 years. So I've only got 52 more to go. Well, Catherine knows fully about God's grace now. But it takes grace to sustain you through the years. It takes grace. And grace is not something that comes from inside of us. Notice, he says, grace be with you. Not look inside for grace. Not find it somewhere outside of you in creation. But what grace is he speaking about? Jesus promises what to his disciples? When he, before he ascended, he said what? He gave them a commission. That commission essentially was to do what? Preach the gospel. Teach everything I've commanded. And what did he say? I will be with you. Even until the end of the age. And so, grace to you all. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge this morning together that we are in a battle and there is a real enemy. We know that a church and a home must be rightly ordered by the gospel in order to be the means to fight the battle and defeat the enemy. And we know that unity, strength, and love come from continual connection to the gospel of Jesus and build up the home and the church and defeat the enemy. Lord, we thank you for these things, but we know that just even as um, we are nourished by food and we come back to the table daily, even multiple times during the day, that we need to be nourished by the food of your word. Um, For if we are not in your word, at least daily, And in this way, gathered together for worship, together to encourage one another um, that we will swerve from the truth so very easily. And so we pray that we once again will come to the table of your word and that we will remember what you are and what you have done and all of the tools and the power that you give in the, in the gospel and that you will encourage us um, even as Paul encouraged Pastor Timothy that you will raise up homes and church to be a beacon of your light so that people will look at the church itself and say it's not its programs, it's not the winsomeness of the teaching, but it is the word of God that brings about flourishing, that plants the seeds of the gospel, that the erosion of our culture, our hearts, and our minds might be stopped, and that there might be this growth and flourishing of a great and mighty forest of humanity, and that generations might see what you have done, and they may point back to your word as the reason. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.